Now, the stories last night were amazing. One of the things I'm officially preaching now, by the way, I have shifted. And one of the, yeah, I want to make you know <laughs> that um, what, one of the things that's amazing about those stories, and I don't know if you grew up in a church like the one that I grew up in, but we had, if you grew up in a church at all, I should say, but in the church that I grew up in, we had testimony service. That was one of the things that we used to do. And, and um, really what that meant was that grandpa wasn't going to preach, you know. It was a Sunday night service, and once a month, grandpa didn't preach, grandma did. But grandma didn't believe in standing in front, you know. She had a place where she stood, so she, let's have a testimony service. And then someone would come up, and they would lead the testimony service, so they would start out with a part of their story, and then they would say, now who wants to testify? And then my grandma would stand up, and everybody listened, you know, because grandma had something strong to say. And a lot of people actually would share their stories, and... And when you hear, even last night, the stories that were shared and the testimonies of, again, redemption and restoration, one of the things that are part of those stories often is that there's, a, there, there's almost like part one and part two in a story of redemption. And it's been a few months since I was actually involved in a bit of a series about redemption story, and you can go back to DPNRV and listen to those podcasts if you would like, I'm, but I'm going to revisit that a bit this morning. But in that two-part, that is that story. Often the story will start with, um, a kind of a bit of a, the backstory of what my life was like. You know, I, there, there was this time in my life when I did this and this happened to me or I, this was done by me. And, and invariably, that's based on what I... Again, now we're, we're talking about a story as told by someone who now believes in God and the destiny that He has for them. And so they're, they're telling that story. And they'll say, there was a time in my life when... I didn't know. I thought I was abandoned, but then I realized I was. And I used to believe that's part one. You know, I used to believe this and this, and because I believed that, I did this and I did that, and I did this to me or or others, or this is how I responded to the negative things that happened to me. And so there's that story. That's part one. That was how I used to respond. That was how I used to flesh out. That was that was what I used to see, right? My eyes were on the flesh. They weren't on the spirit. I didn't know and understand truth. I believed lies. I operated from that place of deception. This is what my life looked like. But then in this story where there's revelation of truth and a choice to believe it, right? Then the story shifts. That was last night. It was beautiful. As we we heard these guys share and they, they talked about that point where even when they first came into the program and then there was this place of really coming into a relationship with Jesus, in fact, Ryan said it this way. He said, I always believed in God, but now I know Him. And it's in, it's in that knowing Him then that this shift happens. So then the story starts to be like this, but now I know. Huh? 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 Now I know and and and... Now I look back and see, I see that God was faithful, I see that God protected me, I see that the devil was lying to me, and so there's this place where the, the blinders come off and truth and reality start to take, start to take hold. And it, it's, a new, it's a new story. It's a different story. It's even a different telling of our previously experienced past. What we had thought before, what we had believed before about our past. With this morning, uh, the word about loss, and, and we'll we'll share and consider a bit about that in a moment. But but there's that there's that revelation that comes to that. In fact, Matt last night, again one of the guys who shared, he he said that 
he was just sharing about what a difference that revelation, this different version, if you will, of his story and his embracing it had meant to him. And he said this at one point. He said, and I quote, um, sometimes I can't even believe that this is my life. He said that. Sometimes I can't even believe. I mean, it's just too good to be true. Sometimes I can't even believe that this is my life. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Somebody out there is going, that's me too. Are you kidding me? How did I get to be so crazy blessed? To walk in the, the power of redemption and restoration. And that's the choice, isn't it? Isn't that the choice? Whether we will or won't believe or not. Because it is. Maybe it is sometimes hard to believe, but it's nonetheless true. Isn't, isn't that the choice? Which story or version of the story will we believe? Will we believe our, our version of the story, our view, our perspective, our, our own personal narration? Right? Or will we believe His? Will we believe what he says about our story? Will we believe what he says about who we are? What, what will we believe? That's our choice. It's a question of truth and trust. Will we believe in truth and, and will we trust? Will we stand into that and say, Okay, God, this is what you say. This is even your perspective of, of my past. Because there's a lot of things that we tend to believe. I mean, when life goes hard, right, or, or we do, I'm going to say this intentionally, right, we do make mistakes, and then we can say, well, sheesh, you know, man. I mean, God could have done a better job of making me, right? I'm just flawed. I mean, I'm always making the same. Or, or we can believe, we could say, oh, you know, he's just out to get me. I mean, that God guy, he's just always out to get me. He, he's always trying to, you know, he's just waiting for me to mess up, so bam. He can just come down on me. That's one of the lies. That, or, or we can believe that we can believe the true version, the actual reality, which is not that he's out to get me, but that he's out to rescue me. I'm just saying there's two, there's two versions to this story. That when I mess up, he, he, my grandpa said it this way. I'm not, you know, I don't even know what he was preaching this Sunday. But he was, he was just speaking, and my granddad was a, 360 pound giant of a man of just huge in stature and and from my perspective spiritual giant as well and on that particular Sunday as he was preaching he almost fell to a knee you know because God was so real to him in that moment and all he managed to squeak out was that he knows how to go down and pick up he don't keep you down he Picks you up. But the devil tells a different story. Which version will we choose? Which version will we choose to believe that that he's he's he saves us, he rescues us, he redeems us? 
we, as Rick said earlier, just a moment ago, he was talking about this thing about loss. And, and Annabelle Fuselay, who was here in the first service, she had this, just this sense of some things that were going on. And, and it was real heavy on her. And, and she had this sense of, of desperation that existed and, and loss that people were feeling. And, and she even had to reconcile in her own heart that it wasn't. She was like, no, I'm good. I don't feel that way. And so she was praying about what was what was that kind of funky mojo and realizing that that's not God, you know, that's, that's the enemy and that's something the devil's sowing as a lie into the hearts of people in that moment. And so she went outside of this sanctuary and she prayed and she, she felt release when she was out, but heaviness when she was in. And that's because if we are honest, even right now in this place, there are those of us who feel absolute loss. It's gone and I can never get it back. My destiny, my story, the master's plan for me is over. There are people who have bought that lie. But there's another version to this story. All is lost. All is found. Huh? Which, this choice is important. Who are you going to believe? The accuser? The tempter? The redeemer? The healer? The father of lies? Or the father? There's a story about such situation in Luke chapter 15. Robbie already sang it. He'll come back and sing it again later. But Luke chapter 15 is the story of the prodigal sons. Plural. Right, You know that that's true. There wasn't just one prodigal. There were two prodigals in this story. One just happened to have physically left the house, but they were both far from the father. And in this story, we're just this morning we're going to take a moment and read it, uh, at least a good portion of it. But you know that this entire chapter, and I think it's necessary to point out that in this entire chapter, the 15th chapter of the book of Luke, Jesus is dealing with things that were lost. That, that's important and significant to point out. He starts with talking about the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. And then he moves to the parable of the prodigal sons. Prodigal sons, because for them there was lost. There was lost destiny. Huh? There was lost, there was lost revelation of truth in their lives. There was, there was the things that the one son had squandered and lost, but he wasn't the only one that squandered and lost. Right? And then, though the first son comes to his father, now note that this is true. This will be important in a moment, but he says to his father, listen, give me uh, my inheritance so that I can go and kind of essentially do my own thing. And the father says, agrees to do that. And the scripture tells us that he divided the inheritance between the two sons at that point. And the younger son, the, the first son, he, he goes, the Scripture tells us, and he travels and, and he lives it up for a while and he squanders. The Scripture's pretty strong in this. I like the old translation for our purposes here because he was caught in a legalistic trap, so the legalistic language kind of helps express that. But the Scripture says that he squandered his inheritance in riotous living. Huh? And then a famine hit the land. There was lack and there was loss. Legitimately, physically, there was lack and there was loss. And he came to a place where he couldn't get a job except to feed the pigs. He was slopping pigs. 
And then when he even tried to eat with the pigs, right, they were rooting him out. And he was at a point of extreme desperation. What? And the scripture says that he came to his senses. Would to God, right? Sometimes I just need somebody to speak into a brother's life. You know, come to your senses, man. God is for you. Huh? Stop self-condemning and disbelieving. Shake a brother sometimes and say, dude, your father loves you. I'm here today to shake us up a little bit. He said, man, I should just, my father treats his servants better than this. And he started pre-planning his conversation. You ever do that? He starts pre I'm going to go home and I'll say, I, um, Father, I have sinned against you and God and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but if you'll just treat me as one of your servants. I mean, you ever do that? You ever pre-plan a conversation? You know you're going to have a conversation and it's going to be hard and a bit hectic and so you start practicing it. Okay, I'm going to say... You kind of play the scenario back and forth. And in the son's version of this story, his father, what was it going to look like when he got there? I mean, if he goes back, is his father going to, are there going to be people out there that are, you know, because it's probably a secure estate? Or is he even going to be able to get past the guard? Are they going to say, who are you? We don't recognize you. You don't look anything like a son. What are you doing here? I mean, what's it going to be like? No, no, I'm really a son. Just tell him I'm here and tell him I know I'm not worthy to be a son, but I'll be a servant. And, and in his, he's pre-rehearsing a conversation he expects to have to have that's his version of his story but the father i get the sense that the brothers the father's pre-planning for the return of his son too because it appears to me that he's watching for him what if he if he ever comes back when he comes back when he comes home one day he'll come home and when he comes home i'm gonna say who you kidding boy show up here like that When he comes back, I'll be ready. Nobody's going to beat me to his feet. That was his version of the story. And when the sun just started down the pathway, he didn't have to press through anybody. He didn't have to talk to anybody else. Because his father met him there. And he blurts it out, man, just as he had prescripted. It worked better for him than it's ever worked for me. Usually in the moment, I forgot my plan. I'm ready. I'm going to explain to Karen how this went so bad. I don't know. I can't remember. But he remembered. He had it pre-planned and he said it just the way that he had planned. Father, I know I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Which speaks to the legalistic trap that he had lived in anyway. Somehow he had thought that at one point he had been worthy. But it wasn't about work. It wasn't about worthy. But the father, that wasn't something that he was interested in hearing. Pick this up with me. Let's read it in verse um, chapter 15 and verse 29. But he answered his father and said, Look, these many years I have served you and I never... I'm sorry, I went too far ahead. Let's jump back to 21. We'll come to that in a second. And the son said to him, his father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and am no longer worthy to be called your son. Now notice the father's response to the son. He didn't say anything back to the son. I mean, let's get this. Let's back up to verse 20. 
He's, it's, the scripture says, and he arose when he saw his son coming. He says, uh, or no, the son arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. That was the father's response. I mean, how did the son even manage to get his words out when the, the father had already embraced him and had kissed him, but his response was still, Father, wait, wait, don't, don't wait. No hugging and kissing yet. I've already got this rehearsed. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father, the scripture says, the father, but quickly, the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and disfound. And they begin to celebrate. So while the son was saying, I'm no longer worthy, that was his version of the story. The father was saying, bring a ring and a robe and some sandals for my son. Because that's his version of our story. That was the same message that he had for a woman at, a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. Same, same, same message. He uh, entertained a bit of a theological discussion. But then when that grew a bit tiresome, he just simplistically spoke life to her. Or that was the same message that he had for a a woman that the Pharisees had set up and, and then literally caught. The scripture says in the act of adultery, the same message, the same redemptive message about her, her destiny and and about her restoration and about her forgiveness, then neither do I condemn you. And be immediately graced to go and sin no more. That was the same message. The same message of redemption. The same version of the story that he had for a thief on a cross. Pretty amazing, huh? Everybody had the choice, the 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 chance to choose. The younger brother had to make a choice too. Which version of the story would he believe? But then there was brother number two. He wasn't, there wasn't just one brother. There was two brothers. There was the older brother who had stayed at, at home. And the scripture tells us that now the older brother, verse 25, was in the field. And he came and drew near to the house and he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come Home And your father has killed the fatted calf because he received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go to his father or refused to go in. And his father came out and entreated him and he, come on in, come on in. And the scripture says, but he answered his father and said, look, these many years I have served you. Now look at the lies he was believing. That he was believing that he was a son because of his service, that that. For him, it was about performance, what I have done. And he carries on and says this. He says, I've never disobeyed your command. I I, I did what you asked me to do. I kept your commands. Again, performance, the requirement. He was In his mind, he was meeting the requirement. And because of his performance to the requirement, he had a sense of entitlement. You owe me. Maybe there are those of us in the house of the Lord today. That's where accusation comes from, church. We start making accusations to God because we think we've earned it. You owe me. Turns out that the older son had squandered his inheritance too. 
it was there with him all the time and he had squat, he hadn't taken and in fact the scripture says Rick pointed this out to me between the services that as I said earlier that the father had divided the inheritance to both sons he had already given him everything that was his to inherit it was already his and he says well you never even gave me I, I was never able to have a goat roast you know, not, not only did I not get a fatted calf, but I, you never gave me a goat to celebrate with my friends. And, and the father's retort to that was just this. There were two versions to the same story. The older son is feeling like somehow he's, he's got this sense of loss too because of the lies that he had believed he had lost precious time with his father. Some of you, man, you've... I don't, you might have the shirt that says, religion is against my relationship. That's nice on the outside, but what about the inside? And I'm for the shirt, by the way. That's a very cool shirt. It's catchy. I like it, especially when it's in black. But you can wear the shirt. Hello? You know, been there, done that, got the T-shirt? Does not apply here. This is a heart thing, Right? Father says, you're with me all the time. You've always been with me, actually, is how he said it. And everything I have is yours. Essentially, the Father's version of this story was just this, that relationship, relationship, real relationship, intimate, close. We live together. Relationship is the key to inheritance. It's not just the key to inheritance, church. It is the inheritance. That's the inheritance. It's the intimacy with the Father that is our inheritance. It's that closeness, that connection, that living out our destiny as He writes our story. If life is a narrative, then the Father is the only narrator. Only He can commentate correctly on your story. Past, present, and future. This is important, even critical revelation, because our story is still being written. We don't get that just for the past. We need to get that for the now and the next. I mean, all right, come on now, because our tendency is to take pen in hand. Ooh. I'm going to go ahead and, and then we wear out our erasers, right? We like writing. Oh, that's no. Oh, man. I've messed that up. Woo, over here, though. Man, I run out of paper, y'all. Uh, uh. We're never meant to write our own story. For I know the plans. There's a reason we quote that scripture a lot. It's stout. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 11 is stout. Jeremiah 29, 13 is nice too, though. And you will find me. If you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me, what? With your whole heart. Listen. This is what the Lord was speaking through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 18. Verses 1 through 5. This is my really cool bookmark. <laughs> Jeremiah 20, or 18, I'm sorry, verses 1 through 5. This is what the Lord was communicating to the children of Israel when he said this. He said, and the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Arise and go down to the potter's house. 
and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was, was flawed or spoil, spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. So Jeremiah goes down and he's watching this happen. You know, he's watching the potter work and and the Lord is showing him some things. And then the Lord spoke in verse 5. He says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as the potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hands, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Critical key here is this issue of surrender. Will we believe what God says about our story? One of the most challenging and impactful statements that last week's uh, speaker, Mims Driscoll, shared. If you were here, you would have heard that. Maybe if you weren't, I'll just recap it for you. But she made this statement. She said, and she she was sharing a a bit of her story, and she was talking about the power of waiting on the Lord and and what that means. And, And in that context, she shared that, Her story was a difficult one. She had a very difficult home life. And honestly, just some of the things that she's walked through have been horrendous. Just horrendous history. But she was able to say this. And I'll be honest, I I sat in my chair there with my my pencil and my uh, journal. And I was writing, taking notes on what she was saying. And then she said this. You know, I probably, I'm glancing up at her, trying to be supportive with my eyes. But I'm really writing and processing. And then she says this. She says, um... And at this point, even if I could go back and change my story, she said, I wouldn't. Remember that? Anybody else here go, hold on, whoa, hey, ho. Because God didn't cause a lot, God didn't, rephrase, God didn't cause any of those things that hurt her to happen. In fact, he was diametrically opposed to them. He's the God of life. He's the God of hope. He's the God of healing. He's not the God of hurt, devastation. However, what she spoke of was the trust that she had in the power of redemption. The only way I could deal with that statement she made, I was like, I don't know what to do with this. Should I say something? What are the people thinking? And I just wrote the word redemption. Okay, that covers it. For us, our story must necessarily, for it to, for us sometimes, let me read, we sometimes feel like for our story to truly redeem, we, we need to erase it. We need to go back and be able to change it. But God doesn't erase your story. Now, He does separate you as far as the east is from the west from your sin and the penalty of it, okay? He, the sea of forgetfulness is that He doesn't hold those things against us anymore. He's cleared the record. Of our wrongs. But our story. What he does with our story. Is he causes it right in the face of the enemy. To redeem. Nothing's lost. Okay that was my crazy statement for the week. Now you're going nothing? Really nothing? Nothing's lost? That's what I said. And I ain't taking it back. What are we doing back on this potter's wheel? Man, I'm just so full. I'm always, what am I doing here again? Oh my goodness. 
and the frustration that, and the sense of... And listen, here's what I want you to know about the potter's wheel. It's not about what I did or didn't do wrong. And, and hear this, that certainly there's a place to learn from the poor choices we might have made, but that's not what this is about. There's grace for that, right? There's grace for that. But the potter's wheel is not a place of punishment. That place where we're back... At, in the hands of the potter and we're being remade again. We're back in process. We're still... Here's a bit of a misnomer. That transition is ever over. That transformation is ever done till the day we meet Jesus face to face. Our world is too dynamic. We live in a perpetually changing environment. God is constantly holding and healing and redeeming and working and reworking us. And what He never does with us is throw us on the scrap pile. But He brings us back again to the potter's wheel to refine and to renew. I got some really good news. When you're on the potter's wheel, you're in the potter's hands. He's not afraid to get dirty. His hands are stained with clay. You're the potter, I'm the clay. Mold me, make me, Lord, I pray. And then do that again. (laughs) And again. And again. Because with Him nothing's lost. Our part in this is surrender. Again, the temptation is to take pen in hand. But the best way to live the Master's plan is to leave the pen in the master's hand. Uh, I say that again. (laughs) The best way to live the master's plan is to leave the pen in the master's hand. Hmm. Come on, Robbie. How about Kimberly over there? Kim's going to be moving to Michigan in a minute. True story. Last week we raised, I should say she, but we raised over $600 for the famine, the victims of it, the drought in East Africa. And she has artwork out there again today. 600 her goal. What was your original goal? 500. We beat that last week by 100. So now we're going for 1,000. 1,000. Even if you don't want to buy a piece of art. It's God's heart that we would sow into the need that exists around the globe. And when God speaks to someone in our body, our little sister Kim, to do that, we want to do that. You've noticed this morning that she's been, this is a prophetic drawing, really. God gave her that. And we were chatting this week. And I said, girl, you, you need to do that this week while I'm speaking. Because when it comes down to it, it really is an issue of trust. Can you, can you be who God made you to be? And in this, this drawing, she's, she's drawing an individual who's, who's carrying these bags. They've got this weight of their past. Right? Carrying that. But they're clearly... He's meant to fly. Because God doesn't give us wings for walking. <laughs> but we can't fly, right? And carry the baggage 
Whose hand will you trust? Whose story will you believe? I lived with a man for 22 years that struggled profoundly to believe truth. I know that this is true because I talk to him frequently. Uh, I don't know. When my mom first married my dad, some of you would have heard me say that he was, I mean, he was, he was at a revival. My granddad was preaching at a little country full gospel church when he met my mama. So, you know, he was, he was at least chasing Jesus on some level or maybe just a preacher's daughters. I'm not sure which. But he was at church. But then when he, after they had gotten married a few years in, my, my granddad pastored an awesome little church, but I think there were probably some pretty, pretty strong legalistic um, parameters that were there. And my, my dad smoked. He was a chain smoker for 35 years. And the devil just lied to him. Told him because of a tobacco stick, he wasn't a son. I'm sure that that wasn't the father's version of the story. I know it wasn't. But because he could never meet what he perceived to be the requirement for inheritance. Hmm. He struggled. I mean, he would come to church on Easter sometimes or Christmas to see us in a play. It's 118 days till Christmas, by the way. But he would come sometimes. But then... Isaac, you know, when I was about your age, he really, something started to shift. I mean, and mom, your grandma, my mom, I mean, she, she literally escorted him to the throne of grace in the way that she walked with him. It was beautiful. But, and I saw God as revelation, as he began to believe the Father's telling of his story. Truth. Truth started to impact him and and, and chains started to come off and accusations started to have no effect. And I saw my dad in, in, a, in a very beautiful and childlike way begin to walk with his father for the first time. And it was, it was a process of transformation that didn't come to completion until four years go today when he walked into the presence of Jesus I wish I could have seen the look on his face when the Lord said Jasper yeah Jasper <laughs> might be a redneck if your dad's name is Jasper When the Lord said, Jasper, nothing, nothing has been lost. But all of your inheritance is here for you. What about you? What about you? What do you believe? What do you believe about your past? Is it redeemed? I mean, the answer to the question is an obvious yes, but what do you believe about that? 
What, what do you believe about your future? Is it somehow limited? Can I give the obvious answer? I see it in your faces. Can I encourage you in this season at the potter's house, even in the seasons that will come again, that it's not a place of punishment, but a place of intimacy and inheritance as he makes his dreams for you come true? title of today's word for the podcast (laughs) is true story no that was the title true story some of you young ladies have had Rick and guys he's not biased in this but he has said to you again and again Song of Solomon 4-7, that you are altogether beautiful and that there's no blemish. You know, I want to speak that to you very personally. Because you're my little sister and I love you a lot. And this next season that he has for you is going to be beautiful. Because you're in his hand. Rather, his hand's Beautiful. What about you? What about when he says to you that you are a mighty man of valor? Are you like Gideon going? Sorry, I was standing between you and whomever you're talking to. There's nobody there. What about you when he says all is forgiven? Forgiven. Hmm, That's the last word. What about us when he says to us that we are forgiven and we are free? Would you bow your heads with me? You're still carrying the bags. The weight of your past. And you're ready to be done with that. You want to embrace this re- this great reality that nothing is lost. And all is forgiven. Slip your hand up right where you are right now. Sure. One, two, three, four, five. Come on. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 14, 15, anyone else? Okay, hold on to that for a second. If you've been sitting in the Father's house and missing out on your inheritance, 
kind of trying to keep your head a little low. Just do your thing. But in your heart, it's been less about relationship and more about requirement. Maybe you came to church this morning because you thought your mama would like that. But you ran straight into the heart of the Father for you. And today you would say, I want to know Him deeply and intimately. I want to I be like clay in the hand of the pot. That's not where I am now, but that's where I want to be. If that's you, slip your hand up quickly. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yay, Jesus. Is there eight? Eight. I saw that. <laughs> Here's another one. Just hold on to that for a second. You'd say, um, it's not so much about this isn't any kind of a proclamation that you haven't made a mistake. That's not what I'm asking you to say. I'm not asking you to put judgments on anyone, but you would just say, I've just walked through something horrific, just something hard. It could have been what Rick spoke earlier. Maybe it was the loss of someone that you loved deeply and dearly, or maybe it was the loss of a relationship, or something just didn't go the way that you hoped that it would, or you think that it should, and you're dealing with that. That's a weight. It's something where, again, the enemy can come in and say, God doesn't really love you. There's, there are accusations that you may have even made, and you just... You just want to walk in freedom and know that that God, though God didn't do that, God can redeem that. And you just say, that's me. I, that's where my weight is. There's something. And just one, two. Yeah, I'm, I need to just hand something to him so that he can redeem it. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I just need to hand this to him so he can redeem it. Nine, ten. I saw that. Annabelle saw this. She saw that sense of loss. And God saw the sense of found. That would come from a revelation of it. And then lastly, but definitely not least. Maybe you came with a friend today. Maybe you've been here for a minute. But you're not, in your heart, you're not walking with Jesus. In fact, let me start here. You've never given your life to Christ. Kind of in church vocabulary, we would say that if you give your life to Christ, you're saved. Or, or again, the word there would be just the redemption of our, of our very souls. That that's that place where our lives are redeemed and our eternity is fixed. And you would just say, I need to give my life to Christ. I need to be saved. I want to walk in that redemption that that came from the cross. I'm using very plain language here. And you would just say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Is there one in this sanctuary that today is your day to give your life to Jesus in that way? Is there one person? I want to make sure that that's straight. I, I believe there is. I'm looking left and right. Is there one? I want to give my life to Christ today. I see that there's one. Is there two? Thank you, Jesus. Is there two? Today's my day to give my life to Christ. Is there another person that will join this brother? You know in your heart that that's you. If that's you, I'm not trying to talk you into a decision that you've already made. 
I'm saying if you know in your heart that that's not a decision you've made and today's the day that you would want to make it, then I, if, if I sound like I'm trying to talk you into that, if you've never made that decision before, you better bet that I am. Absolutely. I want to be real for you, but I have no problem with advocating for the love of Christ to impact your heart. Or is there another one? Really quickly, you say, today is my day to give my life to Christ. And then lastly, lastly, I'm going to ask you to stand because our our brother that wants to give his life to Christ today is standing. I'm going to ask this. If you are here today and, and you feel that in your heart, you're either the younger or the older prodigal. That just described you. Whether you responded to the other um, opportunities to transact on grace or not. If you are here this morning and you feel like, I just need to run home to Papa. That's, that's what's in your heart. I need to run home to Papa. If that's you, will you just stand up? Can today be your coming home party? I just need to run home to Papa. Thank you. There's, there's another. Is there another one? I just need to run home to Papa. Be honest. Yeah. Be bold, bro. I appreciate that. Come on, y'all. Because he's already decided. He's pre-decided his response to you. And you just say, I'm going to run home to Papa today. Here I come, Daddy. Here I come. Is there another one today? I'm just going to run home to Papa. Here I come. Here I come. Here I come. Whew. Yay, Jesus.